Thank you so much for hitting play today. Really appreciate that as always. By the way, if you haven't heard already, why, why, oh, why, oh, why have you not heard? We're in season 13. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, wait, what happened to 12, 11, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, and 2, and 1? I know I said those like really weird order there. Hear me on this. You can always go back and listen to On Demand. Isn't that the way we do things now? On Demand anyway. Yeah, Netflix, On Demand, Amazon Prime, On Demand, Paramount Plus, On Demand. Yeah, you can listen to all the past previous shows at OPSpodcast.com. Great place to hang out. There is a fun little thing there. If you have never been there, it's kind of fun. You can actually leave a voicemail on the show. You can leave one there. It's it's really fun. It's interactive. I say it's always interactive radio, but this really isn't radio. It's interactive podcasting. So anyway, on to my guest today, because I'm sure you did not come here to hear me ramble on about, you know, OPSpodcast.com. You didn't. Or talk about our social media as OPS Podcast Show under Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You didn't come for that. I, I know. I know that. You actually came to hear this amazing young lady from all the way from Mexico City. So I hope you brought your passport. I hope you brought some flip-flops. I hope you brought just maybe some Kleenex. Who knows? We don't know what we're going to walk into, but we do know this. We're going to be walking in other people's shoes today. So join me as I'm welcoming my guest, Lena Papadopoulos. How'd we do? Yes, perfect. (laughs) I love that. I love to be perfect because so seldom I am perfect. I'm excited that you're here today. I'm excited that we got to connect. I'm just really excited so often to walk in other people's shoes. It's really, it really is truly a joy because I get to meet people truly all kidding, laughing aside from all walks of life. And it's so just amazing that, that our world just gets to connect. And I just think there's so much power in connection. Speak to that. If you, if you wouldn't mind, if you, if you want to just share that, what do you think on that? That there's power to connection. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I think that, oh my gosh, there's so much I could say. I feel like a lot of my life is centered around the theme of, of connection, like my work life, facilitating connection, community building, creating relationships and yeah, sharing stories, right? Isn't that how we feel like less alone in the world? like to connect in vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's the joy that I think others would find if they podcasted. So just saying, you know, if if that's, uh, if that's something people want to do, it is fun. It's really fun just getting to connect with folks. So help us with this because you are in the great metropolis, really, truly of Mexico City. I have been there, as we said, kind of in our little pre-show little chat that I have been through Mexico City. It was so amazing to go through customs in Mexico City. Actually, I'm lying because it was not fun. It was, it was very tumultuous. I think that's a good word there. Very stressful, but they did stamp my passport and send me on my way, which I was grateful for. What brings you to Mexico City, if you can share that, and then we'll get into more of your stuff. Well, I've been living here for a little over a year now in Mexico, a little over two years. For several years before that, I was just like traveling nonstop, moving somewhere new every one to three months for like three to four years. Yeah, I just wanted to slow down a little bit, and I ended up coming to Mexico and just kind of staying here for a while. (laughs) Wow. So you've been kind of like a nomad in some respects, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is, 
is is there a reason for the traveling all the time or you just love to travel and don't really have to worry about any other stuff? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm now I'm fascinated <laughs> by the travel aspect. Put a pin in that, as my mom would say. Just pause for a second. Let's let's see if we come back to that. But I do want to ask you this very important question because, again, if we're going to be in your shoes, we got to know this, right? So mm-hmm. what style, Lena, what style of shoe do you love to wear? Oh, I wear, like, Vans <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah. No, Vans are good. You know, if you kind of look at our logo, it looks like our show artwork. When we first started, we had kind of these van. I call them wish vans because, you know, copyright reasons. We can't really use vans in marketing reasons. You know, they want they want copyright dollars and all that stuff. So I say we have the wish version of vans. Have you ever heard of that website, Wish, or maybe some not real stuff? So, so I say our, our show logo is like the wish version of vans anyway what kind of vans what are there certain colors style i mean because vans kind of come in like a, an array of of items it's <laughs> black and white super basic plain jane is what i, I call was myself thinking they were gonna be like this hot pink fluorescent glow in the dark shoelaces none of that no nah. just <laughs> plain jane no. just that's all we get yeah just the black and white ones which are not bad however when i wear them they they give me a bad arch like I have arch issues. So, cause they're so flat. Oh yeah. They're like not, they're not good for your feet, but <laughs> not at all. Let's get into you and really your story. So when I first started thinking about this season and talking about where I was going to go in the show, there was a moment in my life and I'm letting you behind the curtain here. I hope that's okay. That you and I just mm-hmm. have this curtain moment. Like it's behind us letting people <laughs> in. There was a point I remember specifically where I was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing the show. And I really, you know, kind of had to get quiet and I had to get still, which for me is, is a very tough, tough thing to do. And I remember getting quiet and getting still. And I, I just remember hearing, and, and I know this is going to sound weird to some, maybe a little hippy dippy for others, but I remember hearing an ocean and it's like, you know, two in the morning and I'm hearing this ocean wave just, I can't even do an ocean sound, but I just remember like imagining being on an ocean beach and it's warm and it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just, it's perfect. And the, there's no cloud in the sky, and it's sky blue, my favorite color. And I remember, you know, having this moment where, again, I'm hearing this ocean, I'm hearing kind of seagulls and then the birds and all this stuff for just a perfect day at the beach. And I remember looking down and seeing a footprint in this, like, again, this moment of dream, maybe, I don't know, feeling. And I remember looking down and seeing a footprint, and I thought, huh, that's weird. There's an, there's an impact there. There's an imprint in the sand. And I woke up and I thought, wow, that, that was interesting. Okay. And I kind of just went along with my day. But then the more I started thinking back to that moment, I thought, what impact, what, what footprints, what imprints have I made on this world? I can't be done yet. And so here we are, season 13. And I think this is where you kind of come into the picture. So starring role here, here we are. The starring role is this, is what is that impact for you? What is that imprint moment for you where when you look back on, you can kind of paint that picture, maybe maybe not, I mean, maybe better than me because you're probably more eloquent than I am. But what is that impact moment for you and that imprint moment for you? What was that like? One of my most significant life experiences, which has shaped literally everything I've done since was when I was about 14 years old and I was in a pretty deep depression, like quite suicidal, just really, really miserable. I became really close friends with this kid named Ned, who was a couple of years older than me, but we were like in an art school together. And so we always sat together in class. We became really good friends and he really supported me through that 
season through that experience of depression, not really very long after that, he ended up taking his own life. And then I found out that actually he had struggled with depression for several years, that he had been on like medications and things. And like, I had never even known any of that. I had been in this dark place woe is me, kind of like everything's so sad and terrible. And the one person who was there with me, like knew exactly how I felt. And I had no idea that he knew. And it just kind of made me realize like how important it is to, to create space for people to be able to come completely as they are and be seen and heard and witnessed, understood, accepted, loved, embraced, like for, for people to feel safe, to be everything that they are and to like feel everything that they feel and just became, and then just like to pay attention to people, to be present so that you're able to see when someone is in pain. Suicide is something that, that I think needs to be talked about daily for some to be reminded of the fact that there are people out there that are in so much pain and so much just hurt and turmoil that again they they never have felt like at least the ones that I've talked to that have been the survivors of the loved one the one left has always said I, I wish I could have given space I wish I would have known I wish I could have would have could have should have and what if and and they play this crazy what if game like if I had only knew if I had only stopped why didn't they you know and they, they almost beat themselves up or tore themselves in some respects. Did you do any of those type of things? And, and if so, maybe speak to that. Yeah, I think I struggled with blaming myself for a long time, like that it had been like right in front of my face, that I hadn't seen it, especially given the context of like, I was also experiencing it. But I think that also helped me realize, I think really when you're, when you're really in that place, nobody is capable of changing your mind about that like i don't think there's anything that anybody could do if you've already like made that kind of decision in your mind because it hurts that much and at the same time it's like i think that my desire personally to create space kind of that safe space it's not necessarily because i don't know like i have like i'm gonna save somebody by doing that but i think that the more of us that do that the more that we create normalcy around it so right so that there are less people in that position because obviously like to be in that place is is to have a dis-ease of the spirit and so we live in a world that is like very set up for people's spirits to be in disease right and and i don't know like i guess i just want to like be part of changing that somehow that's why i said it like literally shaped everything that i've done since then how did it shape you? I mean, maybe that's the obvious question. I mean, we, we've had folks on in previous episodes, previous seasons. You know, we had a mom come on and she has since dedicated her life in a lot of respects to making sure her daughter Grace never gets forgotten. She's all about kindness matters. That's kind of their movement. You know, run for grace and kindness matters. That's kind of their, their mantra, if you will. Mm -hmm. Because her daughter took her own life and she was a health teacher. She was, in, you know, involved in her daughter's life as a, as a cross-country coach and, and all these things. And again, I have said, and, and I'm leery to say it even in this moment, I have always had the opinion that suicide is selfish. And I know people don't like me saying that. When I say that, does that brush up against anything for you or, or tell me how you have a maybe different perspective or maybe same perspective as I do in that moment? 
Yeah, I mean, in the sense, I think it's kind of complex because it can be seen as selfish in a way of right. Like, of course, you're leaving behind people you love and you know that you're leaving them in pain. But the thing is, when you're in that state of mind, you don't believe anyone's going to experience pain. That's one thing. In your mind, it will have no impact on anyone else. I think that that's one thing. And then on the other side, it's yes, but also there, like death is a part of life. And is it maybe also in a sense selfish for those who are still alive to to wish like, I wish that person was still here suffering and in pain. It's a, it's complex. Like I think everything in life. But when you think to your friend and you, you know, now after the fact that there was a lot of pain that he was experiencing, and obviously you were really young at the time you were in your teen years. There's a lot of bad stuff that goes on in our teen years. But those teen years, man, they are tumultuous. They are hard, challenging. We're still trying to figure, you know, ourselves out. I would say most young people on some level, depending on, you know, where they've come from, maybe have struggled with suicidal ideation in some respects. But for you, when you, again, you think back to that, that friendship that you had, that you feel like he was that guiding post for you, that lifesaver in some respects for you, that really kind of pulled you out of your darkness and your shadowy moments and your depression, maybe if I'm, again, if I'm labeling something that's wrong, correct me, please. But then to, to find out that that he was really dealing with that just as much. And then he took the, the ultimate step, which was, of course, taking his life. How do you feel in those moments? But again, somebody who's been in that place, I, I may not believe those things for myself, but I could still believe in them for somebody else. And I would still want to love and support the people around me that I see hurting, especially because I know what pain feels like. I mean, it's always easier to give advice than it is to take it, right? Same kind of principle, I think. It's just a little bit of human nature in there. I wonder about this too, because, you know, so many times, again, like you said, I, I think sometimes it really is easy to give advice. It's easy to look at somebody else's life and go, well, you know, I, I think you need to do this, or I think you should do that, or hey, have you tried, or, you know, listen to this, or hey, watch this video, or whatever. Whatever. Or, hey, here's this encouraging thought. Maybe meditate on that or think on that or whatever. But it's sometimes hard to follow your own advice. So in some way, his passing obviously changed you. You said it affected you in a major way, put, it, put an imprint on you, made an impact in your life. How have you taken what happened to him and now have maybe gone out and tried to change the world in some some different ways? I think my whole life after that became about really trying to love people with intention, with presence, to be a space where people felt safe and comfortable. I went into university to study psychology and sociology with the intention of becoming a therapist. But I had a lot of like fears around that because I thought, well, what if I have patients that take their lives like I don't you know that was like a hard thing for me to reconcile at that at that time it wasn't so long after this happens I kind of switched directions and I got really involved in the field of intercultural education and for me that was kind of like doing the same thing but in a different form because it was all about bringing people from different places and cultures together who have literally different perceptions of reality of the world and bringing them all together in a space to understand one another to have dialogue to create that's sense of safety amongst all the differences like to create common understanding and to see the value in the difference that that was my career for 
10 to 15 ish years. And then through that, through doing that work, especially because of my different areas of focus, I came to feel that the division between us as people is a reflection of a disconnection within us. And so I kind of shifted my work and now I, I'm a life purpose and leadership coach. And again, it's like my whole goal is to work with people to help them feel brave enough to be completely who they are. I love it. It's not just a job or a way to make money. I have poured that into that aspect of my life because it's so important to me. If this event doesn't happen, do you feel like you're down the road that you're on now? I don't know. Actually, this is something that I have thought about because I feel, I also feel, I mean, I'm a life purpose and leadership coach, so I feel we're all here for a purpose. I feel like we all have a reason for being. And I think like my reason for being is the same regardless. Somehow, maybe it wouldn't have been through that experience, but I feel the same desire or need would have been like cultivated in me somehow, some other way. That experience really impacted my life. So events like that obviously shape us. Events like that obviously leave a mark, leave an impact, leave an imprint. Have you encountered anybody in your in your work, in your studies, in your travel that maybe you got kind of like a, almost like a second chance or maybe a, an opportunity to really kind of steer somebody away from making that ultimate decision? And if so, maybe share about that experience if you're willing. I think I've I've been in contact with a few different people who are who are kind of in that space. I'm not going to say that I played a role in like them not acting on anything. No, but it's definitely something that for me, when I know that it's to that point, when I know that somebody is actually struggling with suicidal ideation, it's actually kind of like a traumatic trigger for me. And I get, I get kind of like frozen. Like I don't actually want to continue to engage with them when it feels that close. It's one thing when I know like somebody I really care about is experiencing depression. But when I know for a fact that someone spends a lot of time in a state of suicidal ideation, it is very hard for me to maintain close connection with them. And I've learned that through a very close friendship and also a client of mine in the last one to two years. It's very interesting that it's kind of like it triggers like this opposite effect or reaction in me. So almost to a point of where you're powerless, is that is that a good word or almost like where you where you really have to be mindful of? Help me understand that maybe a little further. Instead of being closer to them and providing more support for them, I want to avoid them because now I feel this like sense of responsibility somehow that comes with the weight of a traumatic experience and the loss that I experienced and, and fearing like that same kind of connection to loss. When I had this experience with, with the close friend that I mentioned who she was kind of in that place and, and we were, we were very close. I got to the point where it made me anxious if I got like a voice note from her, because I thought like, what is she going to say? Like, what is she going to tell me? Am I going to need to go over there? Like, I don't want to have to be the one that has to go there. Created so much panic in me and overwhelm. And I had to go to a couple of our other friends and say like, listen, I need y'all to be more supportive 
supportive of her right now than I can be. It's not, I'm just not able to. And if there's something going on and there's kind of an emergency, please, I don't want to be the first point of contact. You all talk to each other first. It brought up so much for me. So like a triggering event that, that then makes you go back to that, that moment with your friend from when you were younger. Wow. So most rewarding part of your job would be what? I think it is when I help people see like how special they are and how important it is for them to actually embrace that and own that. I think it's the things that make us the most unique and special that have are also somehow tied to experiences of pain or rejection or dismissal or whatever, right? Somehow we have felt like not accepted as we are. And so we kind of try to shift a little to fit what is expected. But when we can see, oh no, those things are actually what make you so amazing and you can actually accept it. That's my favorite part of my work when people see their own power. So how have you found that in yourself where you have found, as you're describing from a client standpoint, where they've discovered that they do matter, their voice does have a place. Their bottom does belong at the table. <laughs> they belong. They're part of that conversation. They don't have to live in fear any longer or in the shadow or in the darkness. So how was that for you? What was that wake up moment for you? Maybe describe that if you're willing to share that as well. I mean, I don't know if I could say that for me, there has been one moment like that, but I just, I continue to experience lots of moments like that in different sort of seasons and phases of life as I see and accept and celebrate a different part of me that I've kind of shunned for whatever reason. I mean, I think, yeah, it's a process of integration because like we can't do it all at once. There's like actually a lot of ourselves that we've disowned. I, I don't know. I think the last the last couple of years, I've especially been focused on really embracing my gifts and really seeing them as gifts instead of not the qualities that make me a weirdo. I think on some level, all of us, all of us that are putting on some shoes today, perhaps struggled with the idea that I don't matter. Nobody really cares. I call them Eeyore moments from Winnie the Pooh, you know, the donkey. We've all maybe felt like a donkey a time or two. I, I know there's there's probably a, a few, but maybe there was that key moment where you said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm going to kind of dust myself off proverbially and kind of go because what I have, you know, it's almost like a superpower and I need to go out and rescue and save others and remind others of what. If there's a moment like that, then it then it was losing my friend. All depends on your worldview. But like I said, I really think we're all here for a reason. I, I love what you're saying there, that this this thing happens to you. And if it hadn't have been that, it probably would have been something else. Now this lifestyle that you have, this awakening that you have now to help others. But for you, I, I think there's still this this desire in you to help and to want to help. You you said yourself that you kind of walked through those moments yourself. Do those moments come back again? Is there a support system around you now that kind of help kind of center you back again when you maybe get off the rails a little bit? And if so, maybe speak to that. Yeah, that definitely still happens to me. Just in this last year, it has have been in that place. And yeah, I think it just depends on that particular season or what I'm experiencing, who I'm going to kind of turn to. But I... I've learned a lot about myself and I know what's kind of unhealthy, I guess, in terms of habits I can develop when I'm not in a good place and like isolating, withdrawing. So I have to be intentional, like not to do a lot of that. But yeah, I think 
maybe it will always come and go. That's sometimes the danger too, is you know when you're kind of getting in that spot, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Let's put on the coaching hat for a minute. I, I kind of feel like you may have some levels of expertise to that. So if somebody right now that's listening and says, you know what, I've had those moments too where I've had those negative thoughts and I've had those moments of there's just, there's no hope, there's no light, there's no rainbow in sight. What advice, what counsel, coaching would you give in this moment if somebody's hearing that and they're like, well, I'm I'm right there. I'm right where she is or where she's been. What would you say? I know when you're in that state, you're like, I don't give what you're saying like it doesn't mean anything to me so sometimes i think like we feel like we're supposed to give encouragement or advice but sometimes really what people need they just need to be like seen and validated and like just to have somebody yeah i bet it's hard i bet it hurts be in space with people yeah it doesn't matter people will tell you like it's gonna get better and you know like think about the good things or whatever kind of advice you can give when when you're thinking like that, really, like all that stuff does is make you feel more hopeless, truly. Well, yeah, because again, I think so many times we want to say something encouraging to maybe make us feel better or win favor with that person, or we mean well, but we ultimately don't mean what happens because, you know, again, I, th- I think so many times I'm coming from, I'll use myself, I'm coming from a place of, hey, I just want to give you a word of encouragement. Doesn't that sound pleasant? I mean, doesn't it? I mean, just makes me sound really good. Let me just give you this word of encouragement. I know how you feel. I too have lost someone. I I know exactly how you feel. It was my grandma. You know, we were super tight when she passed. Uh, I was just I was just like you. I was devastated. And and I again I I just I, I know I cried and I bet you've cried too because you know it's your grandma and you loved her and. What am I doing there that you think is so dangerously wrong? Because I I feel like I'm kind of blatantly obvious with it. If somebody's saying that or doing that, what advice would you give to... Is that good advice of what I just shared or is that just absolutely terrible? Tell, Speak to that, would you? I feel like you want to. I mean, not necessarily trying to one-up somebody, but just trying to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's not that big of a deal. Like, me too. I get it. And there's a difference, I think, between empathizing with somebody and just trying to be... I don't know. It's invalidating that kind of approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my case, this, 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 I, I just had a friend visiting me who is somebody I feel very safe and comfortable with. Some of this stuff that I've been feeling came out in our conversations and I was just very open with him. He just held my hand and looked at me and listened and sat with me. And there were even moments where I was like, yes, because he was just staring at me. And he's like, I'm just here with you. Like, I'm just here with you. The last time I was in a similar state, but like maybe like in a worse way, was a few months ago. And the person that was with me then kind of talking to me the way you were just talking and also kind of trying to remind me of the good things and stuff. And no, I just wanted to punch him in the face. It was... no you're not helping just stop talking just stop talking i mean and maybe that's just me that's just how i am but just from my experience with people i think they just want somebody to yeah just hold loving space i mean in my defense i was being a little dramatic which people are like neil dramatic those two words really don't even go together 
No, they absolutely go together. Like, if you ever wonder how I'm feeling, just look over this right shoulder or left shoulder. It'll be right there. It'll just be right there on the shoulder. I have heard through the years when I've walked through a painful moment, I've heard people meaning well say that awful phrase, I know how you feel. And I always get so stinking angry. Nobody knows how you feel. Nobody knows how I feel. Nobody. I don't care who you are. Nobody knows how you feel. Even if somebody has has walked through suicide of a friend and they come to you and they say, listen, I, I know, I know exactly how you felt. Is that a dangerous phrase? I mean, yeah, I just think that like you're saying, nobody can know how anybody else feels. Like you just can't. I even teach, even taught that in my intercultural education trainings, like empathy is actually quite hard to have really when you really know what empathy is and especially put it in a cross cross-cultural context because empathy is like really understanding someone's experience from their perspective in their shoes you can't it doesn't matter if all of the factors are the same they were experienced internalized processed in a different way in a unique way by that individual who perceives their experience in a unique way that no one else can ever feel right so exactly like you never know how someone else feels like you just don't there are just a million different things that go into what someone is feeling right i'm just jumping in the time machine for a second but i'm just thinking back to you you know if we could somehow go back in time and time travel and not mess up the space-time continuum, butterfly effect, all that fun stuff that, you know, we always hear about in movies, like, don't do this, don't do that, right, in time traveling. But if somehow we could go back in time and time travel with you back in time to the, to the moment when you found out about your friend's passing, would the young lady back then recognize the young lady that sits before me right now? In a way, because I think deep down on some level, she always knew who she really was. <laughs> so you feel like she would recognize you, right? Would you give her any counseling or coaching or advice about this present situation, of course, the, the passing of your friend? Yeah, I think I I would just reassure her that there was nothing she could have done and that it wasn't her fault. That's what I struggled with the most. That is probably a challenging one on so many levels. A lot of what ifs, a lot of... Well, if I'd only, but no, nothing's gained by that, right? Just to be clear, there is nothing gained by that. Right. So I love this quote and I want to talk about this because I, I just, this is why I love asking this question on the questionnaire, but it says, uh, what's your favorite quote we're saying that you really love? And you wrote down out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. Why does that resonate with you so much? Because I think that, especially coming from having worked in this, this space of intercultural education where people literally live in their own realities, and I think we all do to an extent, like we all live in our own reality, our own perception of the world. We all have different ideas about what is right and wrong, and we all have a judging mind, and we all project our stuff onto the experiences and people around us. That's why I think I always want to consider the complexity and the nuance in everything. Yeah, there's black and white, and there's a bajillion things in between. I think it's hard sometimes to say this is right and this is wrong, because actually it's just very complex. And if we could just meet each other in that space without judgment, where we're like open to receiving and understanding and being willing to change our mind. Like that's where I want to meet people in a space of constructive dialogue and conversation. Well, let's talk about your work for a minute. Cause that seems fun. If there is somebody hearing you right now, that's like, man, I just want to know more. 
I want to know more. How do I connect? Where's the best place? How do I do that? Because there's so many things that maybe are swirling in their mind right now that they're just excited about. Well, the best place to connect with me, it's either my website or my Instagram, which are both my name, Lena Papadopoulos. Well, that's easy. We should just throw that in the show notes where it'll be good and just right <laughs> and if you're not sure how to spell papadopoulos because it's fun it's fun to spell it's fun to say like i've had fun saying it you can uh, check out our show notes i'm sure they will be there just right towards the top just a link available to take you straight to her site so we like to have silliness we've had some ser- silliness we've had some seriousness but now it's back to the silliness do you like silliness or should it just be always serious for you in your life what do you feel like i like silliness though i am quite serious also but silliness is good <laughs> what do you what do you feel like the silliest thing you've ever done is just wondering setting you up for something of course here gosh Something silly that you've done that you're just like, ah, that was so silly. Why did I do that? (laughs) I don't know, like, what would count as silly or just stupid. Silly, stupid, they kind of sound the same in some respects. Like, silly, stupid. I actually, well, I mean, the first thing that came to mind when you asked me that is that I slipped off the stage at my college graduation, like, in front of, like, 80,000 people. Just whoop. I'm trying to think of some silly stuff I've done that I'm not trying to one up you by any means, but I'm sure there's been more stupid than silly to your point. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, we play this silly thing at the end of the show. It's not a game. It's just silliness at the end of the game, uh, end of the show. It's called senseless. So it's these five random questions that involve our senses. And then sixth is the wild card. And again, I know you probably could care less about the University of North Carolina, right? It's just not even on your radar. Has North Carolina made it to Mexico City? Do you know? Have you seen anything light blue with North Carolina down in Mexico City? I don't know, but I I grew up in South Carolina. It's really close. (laughs) It is. No, I haven't seen any. When you go to the market tomorrow, you'll have to see if there's any North Carolina stuff that the merchants are selling, so... Maybe you could look that up. Okay. Let me know. All right. So anyway, here we go. Senseless is just, again, silliness at the end of the show. Nothing. Not a game. Silliness. Almost rolled it off the desk here. Number five. I know it's backwards. I promise it's a five. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's right. No, it's good. I see it. You're the first person that's told me it's not backwards all this time. Everybody's like, yeah, it's backwards. It's backwards. Is that like suggestive mentally, mental, uh, mentalist training there? Like, all right. Anyway, here we go. Silliness senseless here it is question number five is this what is something you taste that you always seem to get a reaction to something you taste that you always seem to get a reaction to uh like a real answer right Again, like it's you know, your, a real answer it's how you interpret <laughs> it's like it. a riddle. I, I don't know i can't answer pineapple. that for you this is you this is not me pineapple pineapple okay is yeah. it a good reaction bad reaction itchy it's an itchy reaction okay <laughs> Not even going to touch that. I don't even know. I want to know. I first off, I want to say thanks because I know we, we did kind of talk some serious stuff and it's tough stuff. Right? But the idea is, again, we're in your shoes. We're in your perspective. These were your thoughts. Like I was teasing about the number five. I didn't put these thoughts into your head. These are stuff you've dealt with and you want to help others walk through. I just want to say thanks for coming on. You don't even know me from anything. And, and you said, hey, I'm going to say yes to this. Just want to say yeah, well, thanks for having me. You also don't know me, and here I am. So, <laughs> well, 
Well, there we go. See, last time I invite people on Facebook. Just kidding. <laughs> well, guys and gals, kids and campers alike, that is it. That is all. That is our show today. So here's my takeaway. I, I want to know what yours is too. So of course you can let us know OPSpodcast.com. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can let us know on Facebook, Instagram, all those fun places at OPS Podcast Show. You can do that for sure. But here's my question for you. Here's my question. I want you to just do me a favor. Whatever you're doing, just kind of put a pause in it for a second. So if you're driving, wait till the red light. If you're running, just maybe slow down the pace, just a skosh bit. If you're folding a towel, just stop. If you're mopping the floor, whatever it is you're doing, just just take a pause for just a quick second. Ready? I'm going to let you pause. Here we go. Pause. There's your pause. Think of your best friend. Can you picture them right now in your mind? Now, I know for some of you, you're like, well, Neil, which best friend? I have like five. So give me your number one. Like you're in jail. It's hit the fan. Who's your best friend that you call? Hopefully you know their number and they're memorized because maybe your phone's been taken. But I, I don't want to get down a road. But I just want you to picture that best friend for just a second. Got him? Got him locked in? Imagine if that best friend was in so much pain and so much hurt. And for whatever reason, they did not feel good, comfortable, safe to share that with you. Now, I know for some of you, that's that's a big deal. For those of you who are like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, here's the thing is I'm going to challenge you this week is to sit down and have a conversation with your best friend and just say, listen, no matter what, no, maybe make a pact, pinky promise pact. I love those. It's my favorite thing growing up, pinky promises. Make a pinky promise pact that says no matter what, no matter where we go, no matter what happens, tell me everything. Tell me all of it. I can take it. And if you don't have a best friend to do that with, I don't want you to go to Costco. I don't want you to go to Target. I want you to really think about this for a second because I think you might need to get one because the best friend is the most amazing thing on the planet. And again, if you don't have one, I really want you to try to find one. And again, I know it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but I want you to find that best friend and I want you to just go to him and make him a pinky promise pact saying, no matter what, no matter where, I got you. And I hope they can say those words right back to you. And if you do that, let me know. I would be just darn near curious if you do this. And don't ever forget this. Please do that and then don't forget this. Remember, do not ever forget. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes. <laughs>